Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. I was reading an op-ed today in the National Post by Professor Ross McKittrick, Professor of Economics at the University of Guelph, Senior Fellow at the Fraser Institute, and his book is Economic Analysis of Environmental Policy. Professor McKittrick, thank you very much uh, for joining us. You, you write the Russian invasion of Ukraine might have convinced the Trudeau government to hit pause on its climate change plans because Europe needs desperately other sources of energy. We in Canada can't help them with, but the U.S. can with its LNG exports, but then that uh, directs the United States' attention our way. Please explain that. Well, sure. Um, right now, Europe is in a desperate situation trying to reorganize its uh, energy consumption uh, they import a lot of gas. I think about 40% of their natural gas comes from uh, Russia. And um, they now need to try to replace all that because they don't want to be at the mercy of Vladimir Putin anymore. So they are looking to import uh, liquefied natural gas. The U.S. has fairly substantial export um, capabilities in LNG. They're, they're currently maxed out. They, they're doing as much as they can. Um well, what that means is the U.S. is going to redirect as much of their uh, natural gas production as possible into the European export market. Now they have to replace that for their domestic consumption. And ordinarily, we would look at this as a great opportunity for Canada because we're right next door and we have considerable natural gas production capabilities, but we don't have the export capability. We don't have the LNG facilities to put it on ships and send it uh, overseas. But we can export it to the United States. To do that, we uh, we would normally start to ramp up production. We'd be planning to expand our domestic natural gas uh, export capabilities. Unfortunately, at exactly the same time, this is when, as you mentioned in the introduction, the prime minister has come up with this uh, arbitrary and completely unworkable plan that that sector should contract almost by half over the the next eight years and so um, we have um, uh, we're in a position now where we're saying to the rest of the world um, you're on your own as far as dealing with Putin and Russia this is something we could do to help you but we're not going to yeah it's 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 a, a terrible reality that we're in because we don't need to be in this situation we have concerns for ourselves now for energy for ourselves and the United States has been our only export um, opportunity as far as oil is concerned. We don't export it anywhere else in the world. We should be. But if we look at this, uh, this, this initiative by the government, Mr. Trudeau saying 31% below 2005 levels, emissions cuts um, by 2030, what it really means is for us, as I gather from your op-ed, is we'd have to shut down gas and oil operations entirely or change production methods, which would price gas and oil into the stratosphere. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there's a few things people need to understand. It's it's not like global emissions are going to go down because of of this uh, this new goal that the federal government is setting. It just means that other people are going to step in and supply the the energy. So. Um, Countries like uh, Middle Eastern countries, Venezuela, and of course Russia, um, really the um, the countries that are the most difficult to deal with, and the most dangerous to deal with, 
are going to step in and ramp up their production and take the place that Canada is about to vacate. Um, the the goals that the government has set, uh, this plan that they introduced, one of the remarkable things about it is in a 250-page report, there isn't a single page that talks about the cost to households or how much this is going to hurt the economy. Not one serious attempt to address that. This is all based on they just pulled a number out of thin air and they don't care about the costs or the consequences and they evidently don't care about uh, the position this leaves Europe and the rest of the world in either. Yeah, and you're saying that the emissions reduction plan should be renamed the Enrich Putin plan. Yeah, it's uh, it would be bad at, at any time, even if there wasn't a war going on right now on the, on the borders of Europe. Um, but in the context of this sudden uh, new aggression on the part of Russia, uh, it, I, I just don't understand why the government... Like, I can understand they've been working on this plan for a while, but circumstances change. You, you put the brakes on this sort of thing and rethink it, and uh, mm-hmm. they didn't do that. They just went ahead with it as if nothing else matters at this point except their, uh, their emission reduction plan. Are we to believe that this uh, plan will stop what they keep pointing at, heat waves, flooding, and wildfires? <laughs> um, no, that's a, that's another point that I raised. That, okay, they got to make the case why this is so urgent, and what do they point to? Well, one thing they point to is forest fires. Now, first of all, nobody believes that this plan is going to cause forest fires to stop, but... Um, Beyond that, if you just look at the Ministry of Natural Resources website, um, the rate of forest fires in Canada has been going down since 1990. There's no evidence that we have a crisis of, of increasing rates of forest fire, even though they make the news, they're, they're dramatic when they happen, and, and we put a lot of efforts into fire suppression. But there's no indication of a crisis around that. Same with flooding. Um, that's we, we get these intergovernmental panel on climate change reports and i quote what they conclude in my column there's no evidence of increased rates of flooding or extreme precipitation in canada in the available record so their own case for why we need to rush ahead uh, with this plan without even thinking about the costs falls apart once you look at the data behind uh, these topics that they keep pointing to So, Professor McKittrick, uh, also no analysis of what the Trudeau plan will actually cost you and me and every other Canadian. I keep referring to a line that was in the RBC report charting the course to net zero. And it's a very interesting report, 21 or 22 pages. But the line that stuck out to me is this one. Canadians are going to have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'd argue that we're already there. The question is how much more uncomfortable will we become? What do you think? Well, I just reject the premise that Canadians have to become comfortable with the idea we're going to be worse off and we won't be able to heat our homes and we won't be able to do things that you expect to be able to do in an advanced economy. Um, They haven't made a case why we have to put up with that. We uh, We have significant energy demands given our climate and the distances that we have to travel. And given that, we have one of the cleanest electricity grids in the world. We have one of the cleanest motor vehicle fleets in the world. We've put a lot of money and effort into 
reducing pollution and becoming energy efficient. And at a certain point, you have to give people credit and say, okay, we've done our part. There are lots of places in the world where they're not doing their part, but we can't keep expecting Canadian households to just uh, accept a lower and lower standard of living in pursuit of an unjustified goal. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 